Hi, welcome to the Brain Injury Answers Podcast. This is Dr. David Glazer providing the answers you need when a brain injury occurs. This podcast is for educational purposes only. For treatment, please consult your physician. This podcast does not represent the Department of Veterans Affairs. All right, let's get started. Hi, today before we get started with this week's question, I'd just like to thank all my listeners and all the people that send in such very good questions. We've now concluded three years of recording this podcast, and we are starting the fourth year. We have uh, this, we'll make it 69 episodes so far of this podcast, and always getting a lot of good questions, a lot of good feedback, a lot of praise from patients, family members, and clinicians who do not know a lot about brain injuries. So with that, I just want to thank everyone and thank everyone for their dedication to listening to this podcast and helping to support it in all the many ways as we continue into the fourth year of recording. So to start off uh, this recording for the fourth year, here's the question. Can you please discuss more about movement disorders after a traumatic brain injury? Answer, yes. This is a very, very, very broad topic. There are many different types of movement disorders that can occur after the brain is affected. We'll take a very general approach with touching upon some details. Um, But again, for more details and treatment and such, it would be best to speak with your brain injury rehab physician who may very well refer you for complicated cases to a movement disorder specialist. So first off, what's the timeline? Do movement disorders start right away? Does it take a while? to set in after a brain injury or a stroke or anything of the sort? And the answer is, is, is really depends. Sometimes you'll see certain movement disorders we'll talk about that happen right away and others will kind of set in later on. Or others may just set in when some person's under more stress depending on the situation. But the idea of movement really stems from a part deep in our brain called the basal ganglia. There are four parts to the basal ganglia. This includes the caudate nucleus, the globus pallidus, the putamen, the subthalamic nucleus, and the substantia nigra. The basal ganglia as a whole is responsible for producing a neurochemical called dopamine, which helps with movement. It can help with initiating movement and integrating movement with the rest of our body. The basal ganglia connects to the thalamus and to the brainstem and really all throughout our brain to help coordinate movement. Think about a car. Think about the driver 
as the basal ganglia of the car. A lot of coordination is taking place when one drives. Think about when one first started driving, it was a lot harder to get used to coordinating all the parts. Pushing on the brake, pushing on the accelerator, turning the wheel, looking at mirrors, paying attention to your surroundings. But with practice, the driver became more adept at all the parts of this moving vehicle. Similarly, the basal ganglia is really interacting like a driver, but interacting with the brain and the whole body. So when there's an effect to the basal ganglia, whether through a brain injury or through a stroke or through a lack of oxygen to the area, it decreases the neurochemical dopamine, which helps with the movement. There are many different types of movement disorders, as mentioned. And we'll go through a brief list. Tremors, that's when you generally see someone's like hand kind of just flopping, moving back and forth. Often, there's two major types of tremors called resting tremor. So just when someone's say, sitting, relaxing, not doing anything, the hand or the fingers may be moving. An action tremor is when the tremor occurs upon action, upon movement, such as grabbing a cup, grabbing a fork, reaching for something. And then there's dystonias, which are involuntary muscle contractions. Basically, a muscle in the arm, like wherever it might be, starts doing its job of moving. And it can cause this kind of twisting pattern. Often when one tries to move the arm, it makes the dystonia worse. Oftentimes there could be a jerking quality to it. Another type of disorder is spasticity, which we've had an episode focus on. Spasticity is velocity-dependent tone. And it really could sometimes um, even look like a tremor. And that's when you see clonus, such as in the ankle. So if you try to stretch the foot and then it starts flopping back and forth, that's a hyperactive stretch reflex, also known as clonus. Oftentimes, people with spasticity and clonus will have both together. Then there's myoclonus, which is unpredictable jerking. It's not rhythmic. It's often kind of small amplitudes. so not big and wavy, but kind of real fast, jerking. And it's very common after a very kind of diffuse or widespread effect to the brain, such as in a hypoxic lack of oxygen injury. Again, there's been a past podcast on hypoxia. We won't go into the details of it in this podcast. Then there's ataxia, also known as basically a discoordination. Oftentimes the cerebellum, which aids in balance and coordination, is damaged. 
and this is common again in brain injury, strokes, and lack of oxygen. Then there's something, something called Parkinsonisms. These are things similar to Parkinson's disease. It's not too common to see Parkinson's disease occur specifically from a brain injury, but again, anything's possible, especially because one doesn't know if there was already a kind of selection or kind of disposition to one having a movement disorder in their life without even considering a brain injury occurring. And now brain injury occurs, so maybe it makes one more easily have a movement disorder, especially if there's a kind of family history of it. But Parkinson's disease or Parkinsonisms, which are things closely related to Parkinson's disease, can display resting tremors. Bradykinesia, which is a fancy word for slow movement, a shuffling gait, stiffness, and then there's some emotional aspects that come along with Parkinson's disease, such as kind of fatigue, sleep disturbance, and sometimes mood disorders, constipation. Another movement disorder name is career and aphitosis. They're very similar. They often come hand in hand, no pun intended, when we talk about these movement disorders. A chorea is large amplitude, usually involuntary dance-like movements. Aphitosis is very similar, again, slow, and usually these movements of the hands and feet. So a matter, imagine someone moving or dancing in this manner. Then there's bolisms and hemibolisms, or hemibolismus, as frequently called. It's a wild flailing. So hemi means on one side. So hemibolismus would be wild flailing on one side, whereas bolisms are wild flailing on both sides. As we've said, just like many symptoms with brain injury, whether movement-related or not, are usually more severe and more disabling with more severe injuries, the same holds true for movement disorders. For mild and moderate injuries, oftentimes these movement disorders may be transient. They may not last forever. As said, they may occur or worsen when someone might be under a lot of stress or challenges and the tremors are a reaction to that. There are ways to treat movement disorders. Oftentimes with tremors, one can use propranolol, which we've talked about in past podcasts. It is a, actually a medication that was found to affect the heart, but it crosses the blood-brain barrier. So it can help calm people down, mood-wise calm people down. If someone has some sort of phobia or fear, sometimes propranolol can help take the edge off before approaching that fear. But it can also help with tremors. Because again, 
all, all these movement disorders are happening from the brain. So it has to cross the blood-brain barrier to help affect that. One could also use a medication called primidone. With Parkinson's disease, it's really closely related to these parts of the basal ganglia. So you often will use pure dopamine-type medications to help replete it, to help increase the dopamine that's not being produced. Common medication is a form called carbidopa, levodopa. It's two medications in one. Uh, one brand name is Cinemet. Then with spasticity, we often use medications such as baclofen, or we could use botulinum toxin. Brand names include Botox, Dysport, Xeomin, baclofen pumps. Same thing can be used for dystonias. And then in more severe cases of movement disorders, there's actually surgeries that can be done, whether it's deep brain stimulators to the thalamus, which again, the basal ganglia connects to, and the thalamus is like a relay station in our brain as well, from our brain to our muscles and different parts of our body. There's also surgeries that can be done that kind of clip out or radiate or burn out different parts of the brain to help decrease certain movement issues. So this just scratches the surface of movement disorders, but know that if there is a movement disorder occurring, there is help, there are things that can be done, not just medication-wise, but surgery-wise if you want to go to that level, but also pure therapy and exercises that can help as well. And again, we thank all our listeners for these wonderful three years, and we look forward to continuing into the fourth year and beyond. That's a wrap for today. Remember to email all your questions to braininjuryanswers at gmail.com. Check out the website www.braininjuryanswers.com. Thanks for listening.